The Women in Media podcast is proudly sponsored by Organic Traditions for spring 2024. Stay tuned for a special deal during this episode. I'm Sarah Burke, and this is the Women in Media podcast. My guest today is Joelle Bertrand. You said it so much nicer. Can you please do it for me? En français. En français, Joelle Bertrand. Oh, such a sexy name. So you are the senior music curator at Amazon Music. You have a pretty big history in the Canadian music scene, uh, talent buying, A&R at Universal, and here you are now uh, programming strategy. I want to go back to the beginning, but I also am very curious right now, what's day to day like? What does the job as senior music curator entail? I would love to tell you that everything that I do is I listen to music and this amazing earphones, but uh, no. <laughs> so there's a lot of strategy. There's a lot of um, listening to the music, obviously. Like I go through like, I want to say, I think 300 to 500 releases a week um, and kind of see what um, makes sense where and like what content is going to go on which playlist station, etc. Um, and then there's another part, like I was mentioning strategy, which is just like understanding like what content that we need um, that is missing maybe on our platform, what people um, are asking for or looking for and maybe filling those gaps. Um, and also then there's also like meetings, artist meetings, which are personally my favorite. We try to make as much time as we can for artists to come in and just like play music for us and explain to us like where where all this creative is coming from and also like work with the labels, et cetera, for their timeline, et cetera. Um, so we do a lot of that. That's pretty much like my day-to-day uh, on a daily basis. Sounds very similar to a role that I was doing um, at SiriusXM. And of course, the partnerships is a big part of it and so much fun, right? Exactly. Amazon came to Canada in which year? And then when did you join the team? How long have you been there? So I've been here a little over two years. I started like middle of the pandemic, so September 2020, um, we have been in Canada. It's a couple years before, so I feel like it's three years before I was there. You were at Universal right before that and uh, working with Ivenko. I, I wonder if we cross paths. I used to do a lot of coverage for Oshiega just from the radio stations I've worked for in the past. How close would you have been to someone working in radio at one of the festivals? I feel like I feel like we definitely crossed paths. Like your name is more familiar. Like I feel like we've met many times. So like that's definitely happened. Um, I did like I would say like I would talk to like radio people like maybe not on a daily basis, but I think like because I was booking, I was like, and also like Oshiaga when I started, we were such a small team that like everyone had like a lot to do in every little aspect. So yeah, I feel like we definitely like crossed paths at some point. At some point, yeah. yeah. So what would you say from, you know, your Ivenko days or your Universal days has like really prepared you for the role that you're in now? Yeah, it's so crazy because I, every time I have a new job, I just think that like, oh my God, like I don't have any transferable skills. But then programming at the end of the day is the same a little bit everywhere. You just kind of like are changing hats a little bit. But I do our brand new music playlist every Friday, which is like a big endeavor because it's like, that's the playlist everyone goes to listen to like for new music. So I put a lot of pressure on myself and making sure that like that has to be the best music of the week. Um, And I think that when I first started it, I was like, oh my God, I'm building the Oshiaga poster, like (laughs) sitting down and looking at the artist. And it's like, not necessarily the biggest artist at the top, but like, what's the moment? Like, and also like diversity of genres, diversity of like, you want to make sure that you're hitting this, like the big artists at the top, but you want to have like a bit of music discovery. So there's a lot of things that overlap. Um, and I will say on the a side, I think it's like understanding your audience and like, 
understanding the music that they're going to enjoy. So like, I think a lot of A&R was like, you're talking to the artists and making sure that you're developing the best music for them. But you also have to keep in mind, like, okay, who's their audience? Who are we speaking to? Are they going to relate to that music? So I do the same on my day to day of like, okay, cool. I'm creating this content. Who is our consumers? Like, are they going to enjoy it? It's like, it's not necessarily just like, okay, what's the biggest song right now in the world? It's like, no, are they like, what's going to speak to them? So there's a lot of transferable scheme of like, at the end of the day, programming, you think about who are you talking to first and then you kind of work backwards and that's like a hundred percent what I do every day here it's like who am I who's going to be listening to this content and like I do like make sure that everything is very localized that it speaks to Canadian uh, people that like we have Canadian artists I love being able to support Canadian artists and like what's great about my team and like our programming team like we share a lot so I'm able to like pitch a lot of artists Canadian for for the platform globally and make sure that those artists are discovered like everywhere. Uh, but yeah, like just definitely make sure that like we're speaking to the people like from Canada, from their point of view and that like the best music, like the best content I could put out there like has the best music. Bit of a techie question in your app. What's something you love about the Amazon app that maybe people don't know about? Yeah, I think that's great. Like I love, I'm very much like, I like to know what the lyrics are to a song like I kind of want to understand what people are saying so like on the app like we have the x-ray um feature that like shows all their lyrics and like has also some fun facts and like the performers and the writers etc so that's something I really love um because I just love diving into that content a lot um but yeah before we move on to uh your past positions can you tell me about some projects you're working on right now that you're excited about whatever you can share yeah, I mean, what? well, we're almost at the end of Black History Month. So that's a big campaign that I worked on that, like, I really love, like, every time that we do campaigns like that, because it's just really more, it's mostly about, like, you know, sh- shining the spotlight on artists that are, you know, adding to the culture. And our global campaign for that is called Credit the Culture, which I really enjoy because it's about, like, celebrating uh, black artists in every genre, which I think that sometimes some artists, some black artists gets pigeonholed. So, yes. um, yeah. So I've been like excited to be able to support artists like Kian artists like Luca La, for example, who I think is like this amazing pop artist that is just like putting out amazing music. And I think she's just going to be such a big name in the next few years. Like I'm obsessed with her and like she's doing an, an amazing things in pop. Um, we also highlighted Alison Russell, who's doing so, so much oh. amazing things in like the folk like space so having just being able to like show um these like black artists in like different genres like I think people just think that like black artists like fit into a mold but they really are attributing like a lot to like a lot of genres and like the full music landscape so like yeah so that campaign has been like really fun to work on is there anything special that you guys are going to work on to highlight those artists around the Junos um, we do have a playlist that like highlight those artists, like those, the artists that are nominated. Like I was looking through the list and it's all artists that we've been able to support like year round. So it's kind of a proud moment of being able to see these artists. Like I want to talk about Preston Pablo, who was our breakthrough artist in December that we've been able to like support through the beginning of his career. Rev was also a breakthrough artist that we had last year. We were able to give her like her first billboard in downtown Toronto and she made this oh, I saw that. amazing video. Where, yeah, she was amazing. Um, so yes, yeah, so, like seeing those artists now being nominated and like on this like humongous platform is like so great. So I think it's like more about being able to support these artists like year round and being able to like be a place where people can discover them. So that's For super sure. exciting. Tell me about Universal Music. That was your job right before Amazon. Yes. So you worked in A&R. First of all, I got to say there's 
not a lot of women that I cross paths with anyway, working in A&R. How was that experience? Yeah, I feel like there's a lot more now. It's definitely changing. I think that experience was so great. I've always wanted to like work in A&R, work at a label. So I was like very fortunate to be able to be given that opportunity. And like A&R is like a really like, I think, I feel like it's like the heart of um, like a project because that's where it begins. Like you find an artist that you're passionate about, you bringing into the company and like everyone's excited and you put out music and it just like, there's so much that I think on my job that you see, like, you know, like after the album is out, et cetera, but like 80% of my work was like before. So that was really exciting. And it's, especially I think in Canada, I feel like we were, we're, we're creating, we have so many amazing creators. So to be able to like give a platform to these amazing artists here was like truly like honestly an honor so like it was really just fun to be able to be on the creative side like so many producers and songwriters and um, I just had never been part of that creative like hub um, being on the live side so being able to like sit down and be in the studio with you know um, producers and songwriters and then putting them with artists like that was like truly like a really amazing experience so I'm super grateful I was able to do that. Give me some examples of some really enjoyable experiences you had in that role, like maybe specific artists. Yeah, well, I was working on the Johnny Orlando project, which was really great because he already had a pretty big platform when um, we, we signed him. Like, And I think that like it was easy, but also hard because I think his platform was like a really engaged fan base. But then he wanted to really put out music that, you know, spoke to him and it was like making sure that he was put in with the right people and um, being able to work on that project was really amazing. And like, he's such an amazing artist and seeing him grow um, has been amazing. Cause I think when we met, he was 15 and now oh he's like, gosh. exactly. So it's like, it really felt like um, watching him grow, but like, literally um so it was really great and he's like being he's being so successful now and like it was just enjoyable to be part of that project and I think that like you hear his evolution um and he's really coming into his own and like his latest project like I didn't work on obviously but to being able to see it and how it's succeeding it's like really great and yeah the whole project and working with him and also like his whole team and our whole team like we became like this big family of working on the project that was like really great Cool. What about uh, someone that was already established that you ended up working with and how that was very different from working with Johnny, who was in the early stages of his career? Yeah, like I I worked on the De Rouge project, which I came in like and the album, I think, was pretty much done. Um, So that was a different experience because I hadn't been through the whole process and they already had so much success. You know, people already knew them. People loved them. So they're just such an amazing band. Like they were so nice to like let me into the groove and like listen to my opinions being like, I was like, I I, I just come in, I I just came into the project, but I think we should maybe do this and this. And um, the album ended up being really great. So um, that was just like a different, you know, a different way of working because they've already had, they know what they were doing. They already know who they wanted to work with. Um, which like it was an amazing team already. So it was fun to kind of like navigate that of just being like, okay, cool. Like this project is already pretty much done. I can give a bit of my input, but um, it was more about like getting it across the line. Like I feel like I came in in the, in the middle of the marathon, but like ended up being able to get to the finish line, which was exciting. So talent buying, if we go back a step further, and you said even the Oshiega team was such a small, small team. So Would you say that like you kind of stepped into it from a place where you were maybe like a big fish in a small sea and that's what gave you all these really interesting experiences before Universal? Yeah, I think like when I like when I started, like always like my first one of my first job in the industry. And um, so like it wasn't called Venko, it was like 
Club Spectacular, which is like we just changed the name. It wasn't like a, a change of team or anything. What was it called? Sorry, say that again. Group Spectaculette. Okay, okay. <laughs> like, yeah, I know. It's like an earworm. Um, so, yeah, when I came in, it was just like the festival had already had two editions. So it was like I didn't come in like at the start at the start. But I think the booking team, like we were, I think we were three or four. Like we were four. Um, and it was definitely much like Oceaga. It was like this project on the corner of the table. And like we were working on, you know, arena shows and um, year-long shows. And I think there was a few. I, Coachella was obviously already there. But there wasn't that many festivals the way there is right now. So I I really loved it. I Like I love going to festivals. So I was really able to like bring a lot of like my expertise to it. But I think it just like, I think it was a perfect storm of just like the team being really passionate of making this an amazing festival, but also the world just becoming like aware of festivals and wanting to go. Festival culture. Festival culture. Like, yeah, like it wasn't a thing when I started, like it truly wasn't a thing. But now I feel like people get dressed up and like it's this whole thing. They don't even care about the lineup anymore. But um, I think like it's credit to like my 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 old boss, Nick, who like really was like the champion of this festival and seeing him like go through all the roadblocks and hurdles to make that festival happen, like will like follow my entire career. Because if that if that is like the testament of resilience of like <laughs> it, I think people don't understand how hard it is to build a festival from the ground up, building a brand from the ground up, especially at a time like Montreal is like this small city. It wasn't like New York or L.A. And also, I think to credit a lot of the artists, a lot of the artists, if you were first few years, we had to convince. Um, I think the team was able to, you know, we swayed the artists with, you know, amazing catering and Montreal is like just an amazing city to visit. So we were able to like get some artists like that. But I think um, my old boss was definitely like the, the the North Star to make things happen, but also our team just to being passionate and like working relentlessly to be able to get, you know, an accessible experience that was like it was about the artists, but it was also about the experience. And I think that's the way the festival was has been able to succeed it's just like it's not just about putting like the biggest act on earth on the stage it's about like what else there's arts there's food you're in this amazing city like what is the flavor that we can get like that we could feel when people come in and um but yeah so yeah working on Oshaya was amazing and it was like just really I learned a lot from um understanding the audience of like putting like you know again it's not about always the biggest artist it's like what are people really want to see like what makes sense for the people that are coming and buying tickets to this yeah kind of what you said at the beginning like your your audience sort of changes in all the jobs like okay mm-hmm. am i talking to the person programming the music or am i talking to the audience directly consuming the music or the audience directly seeing the show right exactly exactly so it's all yeah. at the end of the day everything is all about your who are you speaking to your audience <laughs> i've got more with joelle bertrand of amazon music in just a moment It's Sarah Burke here, the host of the Women in Media podcast and the founder of the Women in Media Network. Yep, now there's an entire network. I've been working really hard to get things off the ground. And what would I do without coffee? I can barely function without it. But I feel much better about putting a coffee that's full of superfoods in my body. I've been loving the Focus Fuel Instant Mushroom Coffee from Organic Traditions. And of course, all the ingredients are organic. It's packed with lion's mane mushroom to support memory, focus, and cognitive function, adaptogens to nourish your brain, and MCT powder to boost your energy and improve mental clarity. And before you make that face, no, it doesn't taste like mushrooms. It tastes like coffee. 
actually better than most. There are hints of cinnamon and vanilla, and it is absolutely delicious. Did I mention it also just won Best New Mushroom Enhanced Beverage in a 2024 Brand Spark survey? Want to try the Focus Fuel Mushroom Coffee yourself? Head to OrganicTraditions.com and use the promo code WOMENINMEDIA20 for 20% off at checkout. And by the way, that applies for the entire site, not just the coffee. You're welcome. Just add water and get at it. You mentioned your boss, Nick. Um, Talk to me about mentorship in your career and those bosses that stick out as the best in terms of how they empowered you. Yeah, like I've been really lucky. I've had amazing bosses um, in my life. Like sometimes I'm very like baffled as like, why would (laughs) would they mentor me that way? (laughs) I think that like, I think it's really... And I, but I've like, I've been obviously part of conversation where I know there's horrible bosses and I'm very grateful and privileged that I had an experience that all my boss were supportive. They wanted me to grow. They also something in me and like pushed me to be my best. But I do really understand that that's not the experience for everyone. Um, but I think one of the things that I learned the most about like all my bosses, like Nick at Evenco, I had Jeffrey at Universal and now um, like my boss at, um, at Amazon. It's just that like, don't be afraid to just like make mistakes and ask questions. I think that's something that like, I'm always the person being like, I don't understand this. Like, I don't know what's happening. Like question, question, question. Um, and I've always, I always had bosses that were receptive to that. So I think that sometimes we get you know, scared or you don't, you think that like, oh, like everyone knows what they're doing. I don't, no one knows what they're doing. Like I like, I remind myself that every day because I truly think that no one knows what they're doing. So pretending to know that what you're doing is not useful for everyone. So I think it's fine to just ask questions and make sure that you're being like, Hey, or if you do make a mistake, being able to own up to it and be like, I made a mistake. I don't know. Like I I need to fix this. How do I fix it? So I think that's something I, I really learned from um, you know, my, my mentor throughout the years of just like being able to just ask questions when you need to and make sure that you're owning up to like your mistakes and just not like pushing them under the rug. What about your experience working in two very different provinces? Were you born in uh, Quebec? I was born in Montreal, yes. How long have you been in Ontario and working in Ontario? I moved to Toronto like six years ago. Yeah, so six years. It's been a minute. What do you think sort of stuck out as like big difference between the two markets because they're so different even though you're programming for national audience in both cases yeah I mean it's different but it's the same I do like obviously the language yeah, yeah, <laughs> speaking yeah. a completely different language I think um also like I think Quebec has such a like it's a different music industry because it's just like obviously there's like the language barrier, like there's different labels, there's different managers, etc. But I do think it's very similar. Like, I think we're lucky in Canada, like we do like our industry is like, very, like inclusive, and everyone is wants to support each other. And I do think that it's the same in kind of Quebec, like it's a very, I, I think Quebec, because it's a bit smaller, I feel like everyone really knows each other. And everyone is like, is supportive, you'll have different labels and managers, like, you know, in the same building or like, living together, like that person <laughs> is the cousin of that person. So it's, it feels very like a little family. So and I think that Canada is kind of similar, like we, there's a point where we kind of everyone knows each other, and it doesn't feel as like this big competitive thing. It's just like, we're all in it to like, for the same reasons. So I do feel like there's a lot of similarity. Um, on the music side, I think the biggest difference in Quebec, it's like, obviously a lot of French language content is, you know, consumed there. So I have, like, I, you have to make sure that like you take that in consideration. Um, 
obviously like when you you go to English Canada, like the Francophone content is not um, it drops. The the exactly it's not the highest priority. So I think that's the difference. Like when you're in Quebec, you really have to, you know, make sure you're in the tune with all those like it's an, basically another set of, you know, artists um that you need to think about. But overall I think there's a lot of similarities between the two. And have you found or maybe made it like your personal intention in your role at Amazon to make sure that the Francophone artists are properly represented? A hundred percent. I got I a little think, sense. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I think it's just like important as part of our landscape. And I think like there's so many amazing artists and, I, and I'm, it's not even just French language, like artists from Quebec in general. Like if you look at Charlotte Carday, which also is an artist we've been able to support so much, like winning album of the year, the Junos was amazing. Like she, like I've booked her at Oshiaga like thousands of times and Sometimes I don't. When, I think when you're in Quebec, you don't even think about it. You're like, oh yeah, like this is our Quebec darling. But then seeing her success across the country is like so amazing. So and there's a like I could name millions of artists from Quebec, French or English language that I think that a lot of people enjoy um, in the rest of Canada. So I do kind of make sure I keep that in consideration, um, just because I do think the artistry there and people enjoy it. Like there's a lot um, of artists that you know overlap that people maybe just not think about. So like, I definitely make it make sure that, you know, they're at the forefront of everything that I do. Teamwork at Amazon right now, you know, you're, you're working with a, a crew of people that you mentioned, like you love collaborating with already. How do you guys, you know, approach those big projects right now? What are you finding, especially like with remote work, the hybrid model, um, how to keep the team tight and on the same page? Yeah, like I started in the pandemic. So I think for like everyone that maybe started in a pandemic, it was it's hard at first, you know, through Zoom that um, or through online. Your onboarding would have been on Zoom. Exactly. Like we were fully, fully in lockdown when that happened. But honestly, it wasn't that bad. Like, I think that it's it's funny because I think like now we're like, oh, my God. But now I'm like, it's really like you just make the time. Um, we have like Zoom hangouts and um, I'm lucky like a few of the people I've, I work with, I already knew. So it truly wasn't that bad for me. I know I know for other people, it, it might have been different. Um, but I think what's great is that everyone has strengths and weaknesses and we're able to like collaborate with our strengths. And I'm I'm very good at some things and I'm, not, I'm bad at some things. And I feel like what's great about our team, like everyone's able to like thrive in what they're good at. And we all complement each like we all complement each other, which is like mind-blowing and it's like I'm not saying this just to say this like we really do like something I'm really bad at I'm like oh I like I can't do this my cork is like oh I'm great at this so it's been really amazing to just be collaborate that way but um but yeah I think that's like the new normal of just having to do a lot online um but again like we now we're now you know the world is kind of open back up so we're able to like go into the office and collaborate and go to concert I think going to concert was like the thing I missed the most so being able to do that again is really amazing I will never Never take that for granted again. Um, so yeah, <laughs> it's been crazy. <laughs> yeah. Oh, do I feel you? Um, with Amazon, a lot of the like playlisting and music programming is now starting to filter into these other content pieces. Okay, like I'm thinking of like video. I believe it was the weekend, right? Didn't you guys do a big thing with the weekend album launch about a year ago? I did a lot. You have to be more specific. <laughs> The whole video production where you could watch it in your Amazon Prime app. And, yes, 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 yes. You know, those those cross-promotional items that other teams are getting involved with. Mm-hmm. Where do you see, like, the future of what you're doing going? Like, there's going to be more collaboration for sure. But, like, how are you taking what artists do and what starts as just a song and 
taking it on a journey. I think that's what's really exciting about my job and like the role that I'm in is I'm able, like we're able to collaborate with all these amazing levers at Amazon, whether it's Prime Video, the Alexa, the fashion and the retail. So um, it, that's exactly, that's so exciting to be able to have those, you know, levers that we can, you know, help support artists with. Um, I think a lot more will happen in the future. I think exactly what I can't, I can't speak to that, but I definitely think that this is something that is our strength. And I think that it's really amazing that we're able to have those levers. Um, like it's not just music, it's like everything that we can bring to the table. Um, and yeah, that's super exciting. So we are having this conversation at the time of recording. It is during uh, Black History Month. And I mean, you touched on um, the project that you're working on now um, with Amazon. But, you know, on a much broader scale, um, just speaking from my experiences, talking to my friends who are Black, who work in this industry, it feels like everyone is exhausted of talking about it, but at the same time willing to participate sort of for the greater good, if that makes sense. So, I mean, this is a white girl asking you this question, but how do you think as an industry things are improving and where do you think we are falling behind? Yeah, I mean, I think that things are improving. Like we have, like the fact that people are having this conversation is so important. I think that, um, I don't know if you're familiar with Advance, but yeah, um, yeah. we work a lot with them. And I think what they're doing is like, honestly, an amazing, amazing job at, you know, keeping the conversation going. I feel like, it's, you know, it's tough because these conversations are important. And yeah, like I think maybe a lot of people of color in my situation are like, you know, I'd love to talk about all the other great things in my career. But um, I do think it's important to talk about. I do think there's a lot of progress to be made, you know, like hire more diverse, you know, being part of those conversations. I'm very hopeful. I think a lot of the, um, the work is being done. And at the Junos last year, we, we hosted a black music brunch and, um, it was honestly like one of the ma- most amazing um, experience that I've had of just like in this room of just like the echo is like, oh, we've never had this. And I really had because sometimes you just don't think about it. You just like go through your career. And I was like, oh, it's true. We, I don't think I've ever been at a gathering of just like black music executives. Like I don't I didn't think that was a thing. What I re- I'm really passionate about is just like people not be pigeonholed. And I think that that has happened a lot to me in my career that people just assume and put me in a box of like, oh, like you just book hip hop for example. Um, That's but, exactly what Kezia said when she was on uh, this podcast. Same. So we had the same, me and Kezia have this conversation all the time of like, <laughs> she's a classically trained piano yeah, like, yeah. player, um, which like for me, it's not like, I'm like, oh, like, yes. Um, and I think that's an assumption that like, people have for me and I had to fight it a lot for my career. Like I obviously like, I do program hip hop. I love hip hop. I think that's like an amazing genre, but I'm way more versed in punk rock than I am in anything else, I think. Yes. Um, exactly. So like, it's just, it's, I think now it's happening less and less because, well, I'm lucky enough that now I've had a career of like people see like my work and they know it's not just like in one genre, but I do uh, want to make sure that like the next generation is also not pigeonholed and people should be hiring and thinking of people of color in every you know aspect of you know music industry it shouldn't just be like oh yeah we're like we're hiring a hip-hop person it's like no like yeah you could have you know any you could have a rock person that is a person of color like it's those things happen all the time so yeah. I think that's something in my career that's probably been um something that has happened to me a lot what about as a woman has there been any situation you can think of where you were like why the hell is this happening right now I am just disqualified. <laughs> 
Yeah, I mean, a lot. (laughs) I'm so happy that like now we're having, there's so much more women in places of um, power and leaders, etc. When I came up, there wasn't a lot. Um, I will say for me, like the obstacles sometimes, it's just been like the assumption that, you know, you're not going to be taken seriously or like, especially in the live world, like I would do a lot of settlements and like the tour managers would always be like, okay, when's your finance person coming? And I'm like, I'm the No, no, I am the person. Exactly. So those assumptions always happen and it's, it is frustrating, but I do feel like I haven't felt that in a minute. I know it's still happening. I know a lot of women are probably hitting a lot of walls, uh, but I do think it's gotten better. I do think that people are having this conversation. People are, there's a lot more women leaders. I'm surrounded by amazing women that are thriving in the music industry. And that makes me really happy. And I think what's been great as well is that like, we're really cheering each other on. I feel that so hard right now. Right. And I feel like that's such an important thing of like, we're all like somebody gets a job and it's like text message and congratulations or somebody gets, you know, I'm like looking at the women in music honors. Like I was looking at the list and I like knew so many women on them and I texted them individually like congrats, like so happy to see you on there. And, And I saw it all over Instagram. And it's again, I think it's so important that like these women are feel supported. Like when you're like when you see those things happening. You're leading me right into the final part of the recording. <laughs> I want to hear about some women that you would nominate to come on this podcast. And maybe it's someone you recently congratulated. Oh my God, there's so many. Um, <laughs> so many. I'm thinking of Erin. Have you talked to Erin Lowers? No. TikTok. Um, okay. she's, a, she's amazing. She's a good friend of mine. I'm thinking about her because I literally just saw that she was like, on vacation living her best life and I was a little jealous but um <laughs> no Erin is an amazing amazing music executive she's she's a journalist uh, she does work in hip-hop but it's not <laughs> not the pigeonhole her she's at TikTok yeah. um now just working up with artists and just doing a fantastic job and she is a force of nature she's so smart she's so amazing she's loved by so many artists and so many people in the community and I yeah I think her career path is like I know she had to work really, really hard to get where she at, where she's at, but she still like continues to work out. She continues to support women. And that's something I really admire about her. Um, So yeah, Erin. Okay. Okay. So Denise from Life Nation is, she's from the, like I've known her for a long time. She's amazing. She works at Life Nation. She has, she's the reason why like the amazing, like, acts have been coming to Toronto, basically. And she was a really helpful person in my career at the beginning. Denise Ross. Okay. Yeah. She's a promoter um, in Toronto. Pretty confident she's VP now. Well-deserved. Um, and, you know, I learned a lot from her being a promoter and just, like, understanding. Like, she would always, you know, pick up my goals when I had issues with, you know, offers, etc. So she was really a helpful person in my career. And I think, like, she is... I know she's a mentor to a lot of women in the industry. And she's somebody that, like, truly should be given a lot of flowers because I think she paved the way for a lot of women in the live world. Um, and, yeah, I think she's definitely somebody that I would nominate. Anyone from your team at Amazon or that you work with? I I would nominate my entire team. (laughs) um, I mean, Miranda, who um, leads our artists and label relation, who's like just a fantastic, smart uh, woman. Um, And then Tyler, who heads our marketing, is also like uh, amazing. Like they both have started like... It, well, Miranda started in the pandemic. Tyler started like the world was opening back up, but they've been amazing to work with. And they're both like fantastic 
colleagues that, yeah, I definitely think they, they have a lot to talk about. Sure. So I'll have to watch out for you at this year's events. But uh, yes. so nice talking to you. So nice getting to know you. And thank you so much for coming on the pod. Well, thanks for inviting me. It was a pleasure. As for my next guest, it's been almost a year since Canadian television personality and content creator Jennifer Valentine bravely shared a Facebook post about her experience on a popular Toronto morning show. More with Jennifer Valentine in just a few weeks here on the Women in Media podcast. As always, thank you so much for listening. Please find more information about my guests in the episode notes and share this podcast with a friend you think needs to hear it. I'm Debbie Travis. And I'm Tommy Smythe. And this is Trust Me, I'm a Decorator. We're now podcasters. And why did we call it that? Well, you know us as decorators, but we've got lots more to share. We want to talk about travel and relationships. We're going to have amazing guests on. Guests who inspire us for sure. We'll probably talk about design too. And of course, Tommy, don't forget about food. Oh my gosh, how did I forget about food? So please follow or subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, or as they say, wherever you get your podcast. And we'll pop right up when we have a new episode. Where's us luck. This podcast is distributed by the Women in Media Podcast Network. Find out more at womeninmedia.network.